Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you've had a good week. <laughs> I, had a, I had a good week. Um, I'll tell you one little thing where God really blessed me. I um, was shopping during the week and just having a quick, you know, Farmers has got a big sale at the moment, so I was just having a look through, and I saw the dress. <laughs> saw this, this great dress, my size, tried it on, fitted perfectly, and on sale. So, like, uh, $90 off. And I thought, oh, yes. And then I thought, no, hold on, don't be hasty. Go home. Lord, if, this, if I'm meant to buy this dress, can, I, can, you, can Dean say yes? And, and when I go in, back to the shop, will it still be there? There was only one, just one. Not even any in any other size, just that one dress. Um, well... Bless his little cotton socks. Dean said, yes, go for it. Off you go, go buy it. Oh, man, I was quick. Left the house and drove to Farmers. I was, and I was so fast, I was nearly running into that store. And I got to the, the one with all the dresses on it. And I'm like, oh, will it be there? Will it be there? And yes, it was there. And, but God is even better than that. It was, they'd taken another 10 bucks off. Yes. Praise God. Hundred dollars off. I love a bargain. <laughs> I don't I don't often buy new, but when I do it's always on sale. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Oh, there's a few weddings coming up, so I might uh, might bring it out for that. <laughs> well this morning I've got a real good feel good message for us. And um this morning I'm talking about the God who forgives. Now um you know, it's not. I'm not talking about how we need to ask God for forgiveness today, because you know, obviously that's something really important that we need to do. And how we, need, oh, sorry, I'm not talking about how we need to forgive others. Um, you know, obviously that's something really important. The Scripture says that you know, unless we forgive others, God can't forgive us. But today I want to want to focus on how God forgives us and ten things that He does with our sin. Um, I was really so blessed last week. Um, many of you are here, and Aaron shared about the best story you know ever told in the Bible, uh, the story of the prodigal son. And I was just like, "Yes, thank you, Jesus." You know, we're in the spirit here. We're preaching along the same lines. And I was going to open with that, but um, I will. We'll read it at the end if we've got time. Um, Dean, tell me to give me the signal if I'm talking too long. Okay, um, now so this morning my, my hope and my prayer is that um, as we look at these things together that um, the Holy Spirit might just speak to you. I mean it's not, it's not rocket science, it's nothing complicated but I think it's, it's good for us to be reminded you know, of those foundations of our faith in God. We have this foundation of these truths that we need to know so that God can build our lives and we can serve him coming from that, those basis of those truths. And this is a truth that we need to think about. And I'm, so I'm just praying that, you know, maybe there might be some little aspect that you haven't thought about before or, you know, that just God would touch you and would set you free in, in, in some area. 
So um, I'm just going to firstly start off, actually, no, let's pray. (laughs) Need to pray. (laughs) Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity that we can look at your word together, Father. And uh, Lord, you spoke through a donkey, so I know you can speak through me. (laughs) And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would just anoint your word and that as we, we have open hearts and open minds and open ears to hear what you're saying to us, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would show us something new or remind us of something that we might have forgotten and just uh, steady up that foundation that we have in you. We ask in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. So I'm just going to start off with a quick explanation of some of the different terms that we, that we get in the Bible for sin. Then we're going to look at 10 ways God deals with our sin. Um, Maybe the recap of the best story ever told, the story of the prodigal son, if we've got time, and then a bit of application, which is always the important bit. So the question is, what is the difference between iniquities, trespasses, and transgressions? So sin is like, that's the general term for anything that falls short of the glory of God. Anything that is less than God's standard is sin. Sin means to miss the mark. Um, so that's the general, general term. And then there's some more specific terms. And like, I mean, I know I've looked at this before lots of times um, in my Christian walk, and I always forget. But basically, it's all sin. <laughs> um, a trespasser, um, as you may be aware, is someone who crosses over a line or climbs a fence that he's not spo- he or she is not supposed to cross or climb. And a trespass can be intentional, intentional or unintentional. A trespass can also mean to fall away after being close beside. So, for example, Peter trespassed when he denied Jesus. Um, we all cross the line in thought, word or attitude many times a day. So it's important to be quick to come to God, say sorry and ask for forgiveness. You know, that's what we call keeping short accounts, isn't it? To transgress is to choose to intentionally disobey. Transgression is willful trespassing. So, for example, Samson intentionally broke his Nazarite vow by touching a dead lion and allowing his hair to be cut. So in doing so, he was committing a transgression. Like when we knowingly run a stop sign, I'm sure none of you ever do that, or tell a lie or blatantly disregard an authority, we are transgressing. Iniquity is more deeply rooted. Iniquity refers to a premeditated choice. To commit iniquity is to continue in that sin without repentance. And for example, David's sin with Bathsheba that led to the killing of her husband, was iniquity. So sin is a general term for anything we do that falls short of God's standard. And then there's the question of our intention, isn't there? Um, You know, I remember when I was a teenager um, attending our little wooden Anglican church in Wakefield in Nelson. Praise God, Nelson. Uh, (laughs) Us mainlanders have to stick together. Um, we used to say in the, you know, the service, and I just so clearly remember this, even though I was like maybe 13, we have sinned in ignorance, we have sinned in weakness, we have sinned through our own deliberate fault. 
But praise God, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when we come to God and tell him of our sin and ask for forgiveness, what does he do with our sins? So here are, here are 10 things. And um, how this word came about was I was visiting a friend a good six weeks, maybe two months ago. And as I was going to see this friend, I was just praying as I often do, you know, Lord, if Holy Spirit, if you don't give me something to share with this person, I got nothing. You know, I'm just a person. I need your Holy Spirit. You need to show me something that I can that's a value that I can share with this person. And when I was with her, I just really felt that, hey, I don't think she's got a real good grip on the fact that God's forgiven her. You know, we've all done stuff wrong, um, and we need that freedom. We need to know his forgiveness. So we talked over a couple of scriptures, and then when I got home, I did a bit of a search because I wanted to send her some more scriptures she could look at. And I found this little um, thing on the internet with these 10 um, things that, ways that God deals with our sin. And um, so I sent that to her and Dean said to me, he said, oh, I think you got the basis of a word there. And so I've been ruminating on it for the last six, to, six weeks to two months and just thinking about it and adding and things. So um, this was, it was, I think, Matthew Livingston was the, was the guy who originally wrote this little list. So yeah, all credit to him. Um, okay, so the first thing is that God forgives our transgression. And so the, the main uh, scripture that I want to look at today is in Psalm 32, verses 1 to 5. And it says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgress sorry, transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The Hebrew word for forgiven literally means lifted off. I thought that was pretty good. And um, Charles Spurgeon's commentary, I really loved this. It's a little bit old, old school English, but hopefully you can get the gist. And he said this, He is now blessed and ever shall be. Be he ever so poor or sick or sorrowful, he is blessed in very deed. Pardoning mercy is of all things in the world most to be prized, for it is the only and sure way to happiness. To hear from God's own spirit, absolvo te, or te, I'm sorry, I don't speak Latin. The, letter, the English, transmission, English translation is, for I absolve you. To hear that is joy unspeakable. Blessedness is not in this case ascribed to the man who has been a diligent law keeper, for then it would never come to us, but rather to a law breaker who by grace most rich and free 
has been forgiven. Self-righteous Pharisees have no portion in this blessedness. Over the returning prodigal, the word of welcome is here pronounced, and the music and dancing begin. A full, instantaneous, irreversible pardon of transgression turns the poor sinner's hell into heaven and makes the air of wrath a partaker in blessing. I thought that was awesome. So the second thing that he does with our sin is that he covers it. He covers our sin. And have a look again at Psalm 32, verse 1, which says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. And this imagery is taken from uh, the Day of Atonement. And on that day, the high priest would come in and uh, take the blood from the sacrificial animal, carry it into the most holy place, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And that chest contained the Ten Commandments. And the sprinkled blood symbolically covered the broken law and shielded the sinner from judgment. And I just think that's such a great picture, isn't it? The, the Ten Commandments that, that Moses broke, they're in, the, in the, um, the Ark of the Covenant, and then they sprinkle the blood over it, over the broken law. And it's, so it's the same with us. You know, we break the law Jesus' blood is sprinkled over us so that we can be forgiven. Um, and it's, quite, it's significant too in that, that scripture that we're looking at and that when David stopped trying to cover up his sin, God covered it. And when something is covered, it's hidden from view. God puts our sin out of his sight. Um, Matthew Henry's commentary says this, It's the covering of sin as nakedness is covered that it may not appear to our shame. And then he talks about Adam and Eve. One of the first symptoms of guilt in our first parents, Adam and Eve, was blushing at their own nakedness. Sin makes us loathsome in the sight of God and utterly unfit for communion with him. And when conscience is awakened, when we realise what we've done, um, Sorry. And when conscience is awakened, it makes us loathsome to ourselves as well. So, you know, when we sin, God can't have communion with us and we feel so bad ourselves. But when sin is pardoned, it is covered with the robe of Christ's righteousness. Like the coats of skin, like the animal skins that God covered Adam and Eve with. Um, and um, then God is no longer displeased with us, but we are perfectly reconciled. Isn't that great? I love that imagery. The third thing that God does with our sin is that he does, or doesn't do, so more like it, is he doesn't charge us with iniquity. And Romans 4 verses 6 to 9 in the Message Version says this, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. And that's the New Living Translation. 
So it's not so much what God uh, does with our sin, it's what he does not do with our sin. He no longer counts our sin against us. And this is the imagery that Paul's using in Romans 4. God charges our sin to Jesus' ledger, who bore our penalty, and writes Jesus' righteousness onto our ledger and credits us with his righteousness. This is what we call the great exchange. Right, so um, the fourth thing that, um, that God does with our sin is that he removes our sins from us. And um, as many of you will know, Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes our sins from us, completely a measurable distance. East and west will never meet. Um, and the fifth thing, he washes away our guilt and cleanses us from our sin. And Psalm 51 verses 1 to 3 in the message version says this, Generous in love, God give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt, soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been, my sins are staring me down. Sin leaves a mark or a stain only God can wipe away, and he washes it away completely. The sixth thing is that God throws all our sins behind his back. And Isaiah 38 verse 17 says, For my own welfare I had great bitterness. It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. So in a metaphorical sense, God puts all our sins behind his back so that he does not see them anymore. The seventh thing, he wipes away our transgressions. And Isaiah 44 verse 22 says, I will sweep your sins away as if they were a cloud. I will blow them away as if they were the morning mist. Our unconfessed sins hang over us like a dark cloud, but when we confess them, God promises to sweep them away like the rising sun burns away the morning mist. Beautiful, isn't it, how God gives us so many different um, images to to better understand what he does with our sin. Um, The eighth thing he does is he remembers our sins no more. And Isaiah 43 verse 25 says this, I am the one who wipes out your lawless acts. I do it because of who I am. I will not remember your sins anymore. When God forgives our sins, he forgets them. That means he no longer holds our sins against us. So if he wipes away our sins and forgets them, who are we to keep dragging them up? (laughs) Um... Yeah, I'm, I, you often think, or well, maybe it's just me, but I often will be think, oh, I did that way, way back there. And of course, you know, the enemy likes to help dredge things up as well and help remind you, you did that. Um, but if we bring our sin before God um, and we can, we can remind ourselves, no, I brought that before the Lord. He is faithful. His word says that he forgives, that he forgets, that he puts my sin behind his back, that he remembers it no more. I'm free of that guilt and shame. The ninth thing that he does is he casts all our sin into the depths of the sea. And that's in Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. 
And it says, Lord, who is a God like you? You forgive sin. You forgive your people when they do what is wrong. You don't stay angry forever. Instead, you take delight in showing your faithful love to them. Once again, you will show love and concern for us. You will completely wipe out the evil things we've done. You will throw all our sins into the bottom of the sea. And uh, Corrie Tim Boom said this, and I, I love this. God takes our sins, the past, present, and future, and dumps them into the sea and puts up a sign that says, no fishing allowed. No fishing by the devil, no fishing by us, no fishing by anyone else. And the tenth thing that, that God does is he nails our sin dead to the cross. And that's in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, the message version says, He wiped out what the law said we owed. The law stood against us. It judged us. But he has taken it away and nailed it to the cross. Sorry, that was the NIRV version. The message says, think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant cancelled and nailed to Christ's cross. God not only erases our sin debt, but he destroys the document on which our debt was recorded by nailing it to the cross. We are forgiven because of the cross of Jesus. Now I don't think we're going to have time to look at the parable of the prodigal son, but feel free to look at that in your own time in Luke. Um, so I'll go on to the what is our part. So let's have another look at what Psalm 32 says. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For, not, sorry, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. The NIV Recovery Devotional Bible says, when we hide behind our wrongdoings and don't admit them, we only grow more miserable. The burden of a cover-up drains our energy and demoralizes us. But as soon as we come clean before God, he forgives us and delivers us. The heaviness is lifted. Instead of hiding behind our mistakes, we can rest behind God's shield of protection. And um, I'll just quickly tell you about a young man that was in our youth group in Palmerston North. Over many years, we walked beside this awesome young man and he was in an unusual position that his mum was a Christian and a full-on Christian who was in church every week, just lovely woman, um, but his dad was a Muslim and he had remarried and he had little other little brothers and sisters and he used to spend the holidays with his dad and he was expected to go to the mosque. Um, so he was in that real, it took him a while, eh, a few years of just figuring out what he believed. And he will say to you that the thing that made him decide that he was going to be a Christian and follow Jesus was the forgiveness. That, that's, you know, that is something that marks our faith as completely different to other religions, is that we have a God who forgives. 
so yeah, so my, my hope is that this morning that um, you would just take a few minutes now or this afternoon or during the week just to think about some of the, the scriptures we've looked at today. Um, bring any sin that you can think of um, before him and ask for forgiveness and then receive that forgiveness. Um, I'm just going to pray. If, if you would like um, to come up for prayer um, as the band plays a song, f- please feel free to do that. Um, the elders and, and Dana and, I, and myself would, would love to pray for you. Yeah. Lord, I just thank you, Father. We're so grateful um, for your forgiveness, Lord. And Lord, it's just like a, a diamond with many facets, Father. There's so many different ways that we can look at what you do with our sin, Father. And uh, so, Lord, I just pray that you would show us, um, each one of us, something that is applicable to us and something that's going to be an encouragement and a blessing to us as we, and, and just bring it to our remembrance this week, Father. We just, uh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that it's your desire that we would be set completely free and free to, uh, to worship you, free to live our lives dedicated to you and to serving you and to making your name great, Father. I pray, Lord, that through this word this morning, Lord, that you would be glorified and your name would be lifted high. We ask these sins in your precious name, Jesus. Amen.